Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian, Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much for dropping in on episode three. In this episode, look forward to laughing and learning with some great takeaways. As I said in episode two, my first 10 episodes will be about overcoming fears. I know some pretty courageous people who have some stories to share. Let me introduce episode three's guest that we'll be dropping in with. Today's guest is a legend in snowboarding who you won't find too much on social media. She's one of the most modest humans I think I've ever met. She's overcome countless injuries along her journey that you may not even know about. She's made her way into the history books. She's competed at five Winter Olympic Games with a couple of Canada's best results to date. This Canadian Olympian competed in not only snowboard cross, but also in snowboard halfpipe. She is a world champion with 41 World Cup podiums and 16 victories. She won the first ever gold on Canadian home soil by a female at the 2010 Games. She's currently coaching for Canada Snowboard's snowboard cross team, and they are lucky to have her. She is a mother, daughter, sister, friend, adventurer, backcountry enthusiast, biker coach, and in the history books. I'm so excited to get to chat with my friend, Mayel Ricker. Hi, Mai. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing? Do they get all that right? <laughs> Very, uh, yeah, I think so. I don't know. <laughs> yeah very flattered thank you so you have a long bio I feel like I cut it in in half you have so many amazing things that you've done um okay we're gonna start things off I did this with Kimmy on our last episode is rapid fire you have no idea what these questions are and you have to say the first thing that comes to mind they're not that difficult okay there's 10 of them Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Where in the world are you today? Pemberton, BC. What time did you wake up today? Six. AM? Yes. Well, you never know. It's COVID time. (laughs) What do you do when you want to relax? I I go walk in the forest. I I, I feel like I can answer these for you. Summer, (laughs) Summer or winter? Winter. Duh. I don't know. I would say both. I wouldn't choose. Um, <laughs> other than phone and wallet, what's your must-have item? That, like a long hoodie. <laughs> I respect that. Must-have, this might uh, alter the next question, must-have spring gear. 
Must have spring here? Spring, yeah, we're in spring now. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess, well, in this part of the world, a raincoat is pretty crucial. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Okay. Um, do you have a, for- a favorite board game? Oh, yeah, Scrabble. Come on. That's <laughs> <laughs> just so quick with that one. Well, <sighs> actually, I, I, yeah, I am a huge Scrabble fanatic for sure. I also, I really like cards. And mm-hmm. I also, um, one of the athletes on my team is, uh, introduced me to um, Settlers of Catan. And yes. I didn't realize this, but like my, my, my partner uh, is like a closet Settlers of Catan, uh, Settlers of Catan fanatic. And I just learned how to play this winter. You know what? I, I have, I have a set and I would be happy to play. Oh, there we go. I've been actually, because we're in COVID times, I've actually been trying um, to find someone that has a, I'm a loser, someone that has a board game and then we could set it up the same and then we could play virtually. Oh, (laughs) we we, we can do a zoom settlers of Catan. She would, she would, she would love it. I would love it too. Okay. Okay. Sorry. That was um, question seven. (laughs) Moving on. That was (laughs) I loved everything about that. Really um, rapid fire here. <laughs> I know. Okay. Uh, number eight, snack that you take on hill. Oh, I'm so bad with that. Okay. As a coach or an athlete? Cause that's, that's pretty, that's I pretty. I want both. I want both. As a coach, like any sort of candy that I can like <laughs> wrestle in my pocket. I mean, I mean something really healthy, like veggie sticks. Mm. <laughs> no, honestly, like. Um, honestly, like I really, I really like having something simple when I was an athlete, like just something you could just like a granola bar or something like that. Something that's really easy. Yeah. Yeah. I used to put put nuts in my pocket. Oh yeah. That's good. Yeah. I mean, it's just easy and boring. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, number nine, what's your worst habit? Oh, I, I like can't not chew my fingernails. You know, this whole, this whole like situation now with COVID, it's like, don't touch your face or anything. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I think so I bad. just bit my fingernail as we were talking. So yeah, there we go. Okay. Number 10. I asked Kimmy the same thing and I feel your answers might be the same, but it could be wrong. Bravest thing you've ever done. Oh my <laughs> you know what that um oh, well, you've done a lot i know no i don't no, it's just i think of like the healthcare workers right now and then this just seems like nothing you know <laughs> compared to what no, people are what people are doing to help out i totally feel so it's totally like feel it's, it. i feel like this is like really you know it's like but honestly, like my, when I, when I managed to, um, do a f- full run in Sochi after like breaking myself right before the games there, like getting down that course, yeah, that last jump on the co- course in Sochi was like the biggest jump I've ever hit. And I was like, so broken and I was going into the jump and you're going, I think you're going about 90 to hundred K an hour going into that jump. And I was just like, Please make the knuckle. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if it was brave or just like really stupid because I wasn't really prepared to do it. But luckily the, the jump was built perfectly and there is no issues. It was actually wasn't a hard jump. Once you like mentally actually hit it, it was fine. But so um do you know do you know the length of that jump? I and that's a very that's I mean, you know, I think the the 
distance from the the takeoff to the sweet spot was 37 and a half meters. I think that's what the meters were saying. Yeah. So that's like well over a hundred feet. It's not like a slope style. Like to me, slope style jumps are like way more intimidating because there's so much kick. Right. 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 Board cross course. There's more just like loft. Right. But it's still, you're going, you're still going far. You're going far. You're not going like high. You're not dropping down from like 50 feet or what those slope style guys are doing, but you're going very far in distance. Yeah. So, so for, for our listeners, obviously, Mile was a snowboard cross um, Olympian, <laughs> champion, world champion, gold medal Olympian. Can you just like quickly describe to our listeners if they don't know what snowboard cross is, what it is in 10 seconds? Snowboard cross is... It, no, I can't. It's a, in ten seconds. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. Hang on. Here we go. To start. It's, like, it's, <laughs> it's motocross on snow. <laughs> oh, zoom. Okay, that was. I respect that. I totally respect that. Yeah, it's crazy. It's wild. You're going down with four, sometimes six people, down this course around these berms, off these over hundred foot jumps uh, to cross the finish line first. Mad respect. You uh, changed over from half pipe, which we used to compete against each other. And I know you only, you agreed to do this podcast if we brought up this one time in Italy. (laughs) I mean, it might be every time that we should probably go back to Italy to see if this is still happening. But um, before every Olympics, there's a test event the year before. And correct me if I'm wrong, we were at, was this at the test event? Yeah, I think so. So for the 2006 (laughs) um, Winter Olympics in Torino, we were in, um, what was it called? Bardonecchia. Bardonecchia. Sorry. (laughs) We've been so many places. I'm like, well, Um, Bardonecchia and the announcer. Now, I'm going to tell my side of the story and then you tell your side of the story because I remember the announcer. I thought it was for me that he was saying it. And the announcer would call the runs as you, as you're coming down as at any other event. And he would just go front side, five forty, no grab, no style. And you're just like, Oh, Oh man. So I thought that was for me. Am, am I right? So here's the thing. Like I was hanging out at the bottom and I actually heard him say it for like multiple competitors. <laughs> so then when I went and did, I think my second run. Yeah. I like, this is how focused I was. I actually remember doing my front side 540 with no grab and no style. And I was like, <laughs> listening to the announcer call oh. out. I was like, Ooh, and here it comes. Front side 540, no grab, no style. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. You know you're not paying attention to your actual run when you can hear the announcer. And I have also done that. Where I'm like, uh, they didn't actually say my name yet. And here I am dropping into the half pipe. You're just like. Oh my gosh, get with the program. That was the funniest though. No grab, no style. All right, so it wasn't just me. It makes me feel better. <laughs> no. I don't and you and you you I don't feel like it's even accurate for you because you have like really nice spins. You always grab your spins. They're always mm-hmm. nice and compact. Whereas like I was definitely a really <laughs> ugly spinner. Like let's I I I miss you in the half pipe. So you you made the switch to border cross and pretty much dominated correct me if i'm wrong no i i naturally was i I naturally felt like better in snowboard cross courses like i felt like 
I could really push myself there. In half pipe, I was, I was never like acrobatically inclined. And I think, I think my love for snowboarding and my love for the like technicality of riding a half pipe was there, but my like actual ability to be like acrobatic was very low. But in snowboard cross, like I had the background in ski racing. I sort of, I, I had that sort of more race mentality. So naturally, I think I just gravitated towards that because I found that it was like easier to push myself and progress. And then it, and then when you progress and you're pushing yourself and you're pushing your limits, you like naturally, I think, like that more. Yeah, fair. Um, now I, I literally can't stop touching my face now. Uh, <laughs> sorry, COVID. <laughs> Um, okay, let's push on to uh, kind of overcoming your fears. Uh, my first Olympics, your second Olympics, 2006. In the, did you compete in both halfpipe and border cross? I did, yeah. Okay, so, well, A, we got in a little car accident before we competed. That was great. Minor detail. We went to see like this other village and this army guy was driving us and we hit a guardrail, but we were fine. We made it through those. Um, and then you competed in half pipe and was border cross after that? It was. Yeah, it was after half pipe. And you had quite a monumental crash <laughs> that you may not remember. Yeah, no, I don't. Re- I still don't remember the crash. Yeah. So yeah. you were knocked out um, helivacked. Yeah. And how long was that recovery for you? Well, I s- still competed at the end of the year. I think I, oh. I, I, didn't, I didn't race for about a month. Was it just a concussion or was it any, like, did you break anything? Did you no, anything? I was, no, I was, it wasn't, that's a thing. Like, um, I, yeah, I definitely concussed myself, but I, 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 um, I didn't like break any bones or anything like that. So, okay. Yeah, because very, very, very stiff neck and shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mael, uh, you are maybe one of the only people that I know that just keeps coming back, keeps coming back, keeps coming back. You love snowboarding so much. Yes. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, I. Yeah, I'm totally stealing a quote from our good friend Natasha Zurich, and it was a quote. I I remember she wrote for a Burton catalog one year and um she wrote like I will ride forever even if all my body parts are metal and I feel like <laughs> I feel like I've kind of like followed on <laughs> I've kind of like taken that quote to heart not necessarily the smartest thing but it's I mean the worst thing you can do is stop moving right and if you if you love being in the snow you love being outside you love being in the mountains like um yeah, I definitely, uh, definitely love being on my board. I, I believe that because um, <clears throat> have you ever shared how many knee surgeries you've had? <laughs> you don't have to, but I know it's it, a lot. It's, it's, it's too many, really. It's, like it's, it's too many and it's, it's, it's not like this. I, I don't even like talking about the number because it's not like this. Like It doesn't matter. It's just like yeah. you come back. And I feel like you come back stronger every time, which is amazing. And that is a mental capacity that not many people have. Because when I was 
younger and I was like, all right, if I ever get injured, I'm like really badly. I'm just going to, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to like not snowboard anymore. Cause I had never had like a knee surgery or, or anything like that. And then when I had my first wrist surgery, I was like, yeah, no, like I'm going to yoga tomorrow so that I can snowboard again. And mm-hmm. then you kind of get that idea of like, oh yeah, it's like nothing's actually wrong. I'm just going to get back to where I was before where a lot of people don't understand that. Like they, they see snowboarding as an extreme sport where we see it as just like part of our lives. So how do you like, overcome that fear of a having an injury and then b like getting back to it and persevering well i think the really neat thing about injuring yourself is it gives you a chance to reset so it's it's a it's a chance for you to like completely completely like rebuild your body and your mind and, and like and like it a little bit and and well it allows you to to ha- spend time on other parts of of your body and and of your being that you don't necessarily prioritize when you're actually on your board yeah. and those those things actually help you get way better on your snowboard in the long run yeah. and it makes you appreciate the moments when you're on your snowboard even more so you can look at injury as a negative thing but there's like a million positive things. So you just have to focus on all the positive things For around sure. it. For sure. And and now you're a coach and and you've got to like instill these these learnings that you have into the next generation. How 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 is that for you? I love it. Like I the 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 biggest thing is is it's it's a selfish job, right? Because I I get to still be involved in the sport that I love. And I still get to travel and I still get to be in the mountains working. So it's, it's really like the dream scenario for me. And, um, the, the tricky thing is, is like wanting your athletes to get better so badly. Like, I don't, I'm not sure they realize like how invested you are as a coach into what they're doing. I like, I, yeah, when I'm when I'm on course when they're racing, I I feel like I'm racing. Like it's and 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 you hopefully you can use that for good and not as a distraction to the athletes, right? Like I'm I'm still learning a lot. I'm still green as far as a coach goes. But um but the the bottom line is is it's such a it's such a great job and it's fun too. Like it's really it's really a neat neat environment to be a part of. <laughs> and I, I already said they're so lucky to have you. And I think that they know that too. <laughs> um, okay. Let's go back to the, to the bravest thing that you've ever done that, that question number 10, you said that it was at Sochi. Can you talk about what, what happened prior to Sochi? So that people that may not know that story, can you just share that one? Yeah. So I, we were leading up to the games in Sochi and um, we finished competing at X Games, and we stayed there in Colorado to do a training camp. And it was like one of my last runs of the day. It was like the classic scenario, you know, like last run of the day. Put on my jacket. Just gonna do one more lap. Get a uh, get down. You know, I had um, I think one of somebody was bringing down my backpack and everything. And and sure enough, like I. I came into a section with overspeed. I was drafting the guys and 
I like missed timing in a roller pack and, and I fell and I, I broke my arm and actually broke some ribs. So I was, and this is about, uh, like two and a half weeks out to when I was competing in Sochi. So I, I was super fortunate. We had an amazing IST team and I got surgery in Colorado and, um, yeah, got really well looked after to the point where I could go and, and race in Sochi. But I was, I was, I definitely, um, I needed to step up big time. Right. <laughs> and, and it was a, and it was a big course. Like it was a big course with lots of consequence. And, um, yeah, it was a huge mental hurdle for me to get down the course. I mean, I mean you're, you're my favorite. because because that's that story in itself is like just crazy to think that like two weeks before you did you have a cast on no you had to get something special on your hand didn't you so you could pull out of the gate no i well the thing is is i they the surgeon bless his soul he like put in an extra long um rod in my arm and he was he was great you know he had the hook no, I didn't. I just, I just had, um, I had like a um, plate and screws in, in my arm. And then, um, I had like a sort of a splint, I guess. Right. But, um, but he was, he was, he was great. He understood the situation. He understood like, he's like, don't worry, put in an extra long, extra long bar. It's going to hurt like hell, but you're not going to bust it off anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so he was you know he was like quite candid but um yeah it did it definitely hurt like yeah he double hockey sticks <laughs> and how many how many runs um would you say you did down that course successfully from the top to the bottom i mean no how many pull out of the gates did you have to do oh. like i'm just thinking of the agony that you were in in sochi um Gosh, I don't know. That's a good. I should probably have that stat like right away. I don't know. There we training, go. Stats. Two training day. Should I do a fact checker at the end? I know. <laughs> training day probably like what six? I don't know. Maybe like fifteen times. Oh, sounds awful. Oh. Well, Sochi wasn't Sochi wasn't the best for any of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, back in the day, wild rides. Okay. Anything else? Uh, I thought. You were going to answer number 10 um, because you're a new mother that maybe it would have been having a kid. Oh, I'm going to get a lot of haters if I answer this, honestly. <laughs> I, you're like, it wasn't brave at all. I just did it. I had a full, I had a full, I had a full strategy. Like I, 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 I had a really long labor, but I didn't. You were fine with it. You were prepared. You were mentally prepared. It was it was hard for sure, but um, I've definitely had more pain in other things before. Do the length, the duration of of the mental like strategy of dealing with the pain of labor was different, but the actual like uh, um, level of pain was like nothing that Compared. I could. Yeah. All right. Okay. When when uh, I know you've had like a solid team working with you when you were an athlete one thing when you were trying to like conquer those those fears did you ever ask for help yeah 
I did. I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed working with sports psychologists. I really enjoyed sort of like the group talks. Yeah. I, I really liked that. And I also, um, I really relied on my teammates. Like I relied on my, um, I had really, um, I'd, going into Sochi, I guess Drew wasn't there, but like leading all the way up through to 2010, I had like a really good bond with Drew Nielsen and, mm-hmm. um, he, he, he was so amazing. Like he definitely took me under his wing and really like helped me with speed and, and features and tactical race decisions. So I feel like he was a huge help with fear. I love that. I miss, I miss us being teammates. Mm-hmm. The whole well, dynamic changed real quick. I feel like we were all traveling together and then the next year it's like half pipes over here. Border cross is going somewhere else. So I was like, Oh, I was hoping you were going to ask me like some of my favorite memories from Torino with us. Cause we had such a great little group <laughs> and like, remember, remember the, when we went and got our, um, team Canada clothing when we all went down to Torino. Yeah, it was awesome. You yeah. and me and Dom and Sarah. I, yeah. That was such a uh, such a strong memory of that. I love that. I still have that photo of us all in those white like polyester blazers. <laughs> I still have mine. Oh. Maybe we should bring those out one day. I know. I feel like it would be hilarious to have a dinner party. Yeah. And then- <laughs> so for the listeners that don't know what we're talking about, the Olympics, you get this full kit and then you have to get it sized for you so that your pants fit when you go to opening ceremonies. Um, I think 2006 was the last year that we got blazers. Like they just stopped giving out blazers because like no one was going to wear them. They are so awesome though. <laughs> like in hindsight, I wish I th- like that's something you like you keep. Oh, that's, sure. that's something you like. Do you still have you your kit? Out. Do you have your kit still? I do. I, I, I have bits and pieces of the different games. Like I didn't keep the full kit from every game. So I definitely have some of the three. Five games worth of kit. Well, like Tara, how about her when she busted out the 98 jacket oh, there? That was, that was amazing. amazing. So we celebrated the 2010 uh, tenure and uh, Tara Teagan came out in a 98 uh, opening ceremonies jacket. Yeah. And it, it was. it's it's legit in fashion again. It's that like furry coat that's in fashion now. It's so crazy. Mayel, I have to thank you. And we're going to talk about some of the takeaways from today that I found from this conversation. <laughs> and obviously the Olympics are fun. Try and go if you can, but it's not easy to go. <laughs> Keep moving. Uh, if you're coming off injury, even if you're kind of COVIDing, don't forget to get outside and move. And, uh, and respect your others and work as a team and yeah, work as a team and learn from others that those are kind of the, the takeaways that I have. Is there anything else that you have? Those are pretty, that's a pretty good summary. I'm very impressed. <laughs> well, thanks, Mai. Thank you. Thank you for coming in and letting me drop in with you. Uh, I hope we get to drop in and do a half pipe soon together again. Or yeah. On the mountain. Uh, enjoy your time at home with your family and I'll talk to you soon until our next settlers of Catan virtual tournament. Let's actually make that thing happen. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. On the next episode of dropping in a podcast with Mercedes Nickel, 
I interview someone whose story gave me goosebumps. He's the new author of Never Part of the Plan. Drop in next Thursday. Thank you, DJ Kenosis, for the music and my mom for the intro voice. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.